Welcome listeners to episode 31 of the Running Guide podcast, where I aim to provide informative content and interviews with elite athletes and health professionals around the world, like in today's episode, where I'm chatting to an Aussie legend of distance running who's represented Australia at multiple World Cross, World Champs, Com Games and Olympic Games, and currently has one foot on the plane to Tokyo next year for her fourth consecutive Olympic marathon. Welcome to the Running Guide podcast, Lisa Waitman. How you going, Lisa? I'm going great. Thanks for having me. No, fantastic. It's great to have you on the show. Been a bit tougher for you Melbournians down there during this COVID lockdown. Must be nice to be returning back to some sort of normality. It has. It's lovely to have a goal in mind. It's lovely to be back on the training track with all that freedom. So, yeah, certainly can't complain down here now. So, given us an opportunity to use some of that resilience that we learn when we're uh, preparing for a marathon, hey? Certainly had a lot of practice of that. Um, now, you're one of the inspiring elite female athletes around the world that sort of juggles representing uh, your country with a working career and motherhood, which is um, an amazing effort. So um, I'm just wondering, what, what sort of structures have you sort of implemented over over those years that sort of allows all those responsibilities to sort of mesh together? Yeah, I've got an amazing family. So they're the key, really, uh, with parents in I've got my husband's parents are in Creswick just outside the running mecca of Ballarat so we spend a lot of weekends there uh, training around the forest and and meeting some of the Ballarat locals on weekends for some runs around Vic Park and uh, and of course around Lake Windaree sure. and Pete gets looked after our little boy he's just turned six so he has wonderful fun in the country while we're out doing our training with his grandparents uh, and then we've been really fortunate that my parents uh, only live you know half a k away so uh, my parents my sister we're all in a little bit of a triangle uh, where we live and so Pete's yeah well looked after while Lachlan my husband and I get all the training done so that's that's how we do the whole uh, the whole juggle uh, in the last sort of six years but uh, prior to that I've also had full-time job, as has Lachlan, so I'm, I'm at IBM and, you know, coming up to a couple of decades, I think, there, and uh, Lachlan at ANZ Bank, and we we uh, just, you know, we live out of our cars sometimes with training, have our clothes in the back and finish work and jump into the running gear and uh, run to the location that we want to do our session and all of that. So, yeah, you look, one beauty of running is that you can fit it in anywhere as long as you've got your a bit of organisation and you've packed right. So, uh, yeah, you just try and squeeze everything in into the exact moment and no time to procrastinate. I think that's key. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. What sort of uh, running is Lachlan doing these days? Is he competing in fun runs or what's he up to? Uh, he's pretty much been helping me. He was going to run and pace uh, Chicago marathon um just you know last year for me and uh, you know we had some pretty big goals to hit a good pb um in chicago but i ended up getting uh food poisoning and uh he ended up uh breaking his sacrum so um you know all things were geared towards us both having a, a good pb in the marathon in chicago but uh you know things don't always come to fruition and go to plan so uh, he's uh, attempting that again with me next year. So we'll try and chase the goal that we had for Chicago last year and now we'll just try and chase it in 2021 instead. Mm, fantastic. Look, let's chat about your PBs um, and you can sort of fill us in on, on the details um, around these events. Now, some of the World Athletics times sort of vary from um, what you have stated on your blog site. So probably World Athletics needs a bit of a refresh or an update. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll just get you to correct them as we sort of work through them. 
So let's let's kick off with your 1500 metre um, down there in Melbourne, December 2005, where you ran a 4.23. How's that one sound? Oh, do you know, I would not be able to recall that. Sure. That's, back, that's like back in the olden days, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> As the kids say, yes. Yeah, look, I, I can't recall too many. I remember uh, as a junior, probably the only 1500 that really sticks in my head uh, as a bona fide uh, trying to be a 1500 metre runner at the time was probably a, a school schools event when uh, when as a youngster, dad and my sister and I drove up to Canberra and uh, ran nationals, nationals and I ended up getting stepped on on the back of my shoe um, by another competitor and ended up having to kick the spike off because it was half off mm. and running the race uh, with only one spike on. So, um, yeah, so I think uh, they're the types of memories I have for 3K, 5K events back as a, as a junior, more so than anything as an adult. Uh, I think I moved, uh, certainly moved up the distance in my sort of late sort of mid 20s and anything on the track uh you know shorter than 5k was uh something that was uh just an experiment i'd say at the time yeah sure sure well i'll give you the 3000 meters and uh, this is only a year later so again you may not remember it there's 922 in melbourne in november yeah i can't remember honestly that that race i think um i went on to do some time trials i think with Lachlan later on, you know, just out at Doncaster and you know, ran a few 9, 11, 9, 13s. So um, I think I can remember those more than I could actually mm. remember. Since, yeah. Well, maybe the 5,000 you'll remember because it was over there in Eugene, Oregon, April 07. You ran a 15, 54, 31. Yeah, I do remember that race. It was really fun. I actually won um, the run for the kids, I think, and we got a voucher to head over to it was some two flights to San Francisco for the very first run for the kids I was really desperately chasing trying to break 16 minutes uh, and so we thought that would be a fun way to do it so yeah it was it was great I remember Lauren Fleshman got onto the start line of that event and was cheering everyone and saying good luck and I, I definitely recall that you know that early part of that race and how positive and inspiring uh, those girls were on you know, before the gun actually went, went off. And uh, yeah, and then later, I think I, I ended up running faster than that in a mixed race, just slightly with a 15.51 running pretty much most of the race in lane three uh, when Aberfeldy had an interclub 3K and there was about 50 athletes in the race. So it was a, that was a fun experience as well, just, um, running around in lane three and getting a PB. So it's been a long time since I've, I've ran too many 5Ks on the track since then. So uh, certainly certainly been in much better shape, but haven't really had that opportunity or had the desire to jump back on the track at the time. The marathon's always been the number one focus. 10,000 metres down there in Zatopec 2009. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you've been pretty consistent down there in Zatopec every year. Um, so you ran 32-20-14 in 2009. Yeah, that race was a lot of fun. Uh, such an amazing field, wonderful group of girls that we, you know, that we all supported each other and helped each other in that event. Uh, I I remember sitting in and I remember feeling like it was one of the Zatopecs that I actually felt really comfortable in. I think there's been quite a few Zatopecs that I've felt woeful in um, and that one was one where it just seemed to tick along every kilometer just seemed to tick tick by and 
uh, I think I lost a little bit of concentration in that in that last kick, but was able to come back uh, through to get second to Eloise. So, yeah, certainly um, proud of that day. But yeah, I probably just needed a bit to to kick the concentration into gear when the when the kick happened uh, a bit better. And but that's uh, I guess race experience on the track that I don't have a great deal of. Maybe I needed to stick at the fifteen hundred a little bit more to be ready for all the moves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, you should remember this one. It was only last year, the 10K on the road, up there in Sydney in July, 31.55. Was that your first sub-32 on the road? It was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, look, I love the Sydney Harbour race. It's such a great vibe. It's beautiful weather. The team looks after you so nicely. It's just a really special event. Uh, the start line's really pretty where you are, you know, see all, see all the older buildings in the bottom of the bridge and yeah, it's just a really positive event and I always feel really happy when I'm there uh, competing in that one. So that, you know, that certainly does put you in good stead to for a positive opportunity to run a PB. Uh, we got some really nice conditions. I think the the, the your footing gets a little bit um, slippery early in the morning um, on parts of that course just because there's tends to be all the cleaners and the, the street sweeping that's done, you know, bright and early. So a bit of the, you have to just watch your footing and going around corners. But um, yeah, I felt really, really good on the day. I trained really well. I'd, I'd had um, a really good lead up and my training was getting uh, geared up towards running a, a PB, um, you know, was the plan for Sunshine Coast shortly after. So um, yeah, we just, off we went and with a group of guys and um, yeah, I was fortunate to have Locke to help me as well, just to keep pushing me along. And yeah, it was really good. We got to get that sub 32 finally. Yeah, no, fantastic. Sunshine Coast, you mentioned, uh, that's where you got that incredible PB um, up there, half marathon, August 68-48, beating the, your old um, Australian all-comers record of 69. That was a great event. It was um yeah, it's fantastic with it with a bit of a bonus uh, for people to chase. So yeah, tell us about that one. Yeah, we uh, Lachlan didn't run that day. He was on parenting duties, so uh, he and Pete. Uh, I think he had the harder job actually, because I think he had to piggyback Pete all the way to the start line and back, which was a fair hike uh, from where we were staying with a with a little with a little boy who was quite excited. So I think I actually got the easier job running the running the race mm. and doing the piggyback. Uh, but yeah, we had a good weekend. I was I knew I was in good shape. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was just a case of making sure that, you know, we ran smart and, you know, it was great that we had some good weather on the day as well because that always uh, has a positive or negative impact depending on what the weather brings. Yeah, look, it was, all, it was a well-talked-about uh, opportunity Everyone was, um, you know, talking about who was going to win and what times people were going to run. And so I guess that made for a bit more of an interesting uh, race experience for everybody, knowing, you know, knowing everyone was watching and wanting to see the end result. Uh, but, yeah, we worked uh, worked well. Uh, I didn't realise we, that Collis was pacing until uh, just sort of that night before at the team meeting. So, uh, once we learned that, then uh, just sat in on the on the pace. Um, yeah, we went through a little bit slower than uh, what I was expecting to go through, just uh, to you know to make sure that we got that record and got that sub 69. Uh, but then that just meant meant we just needed to work a lot harder in the second half and come back really strong. Uh, which yeah, which I ended up being able to do, which was great 
for my confidence and knowing that, you know, negative splitting is something that I can do uh, and also knowing it's something that I can do now with all the experience and as an older athlete, um, I have a lot more confidence in my ability to do that now. Um, it was a little painful in that last mile, I have to say. Um, <laughs> I was running as I was absolutely running my legs off, making sure that I uh, that I went under that 69 minutes and and got the opportunity to take the title home. So, yeah, a really special moment and lovely to have friends and uh, there as well, running and and achieving their own personal best at the finish line. So, you know, Max and and Nick were there from Melbourne Uni and they were really um, supportive. And, yeah, it was lovely to have Locke and Pete at the finish line and lots of hugs all around. So, yeah, they're the moments that you cherish, I think, in in sport, that's for sure. No, definitely. No, fantastic day it was. Marathon, 2.25.15 over there in London, 2017. London was great fun. Uh, We had, yeah, we had a great group over there. You know, it was it was really nice. Uh, the Aussies were all together. Um, you know, having the opportunity to race in London it is always a special moment, and it always feels very picturesque and magical, uh, especially when you run across the the bridge. You know, at that halfway point, just just before the halfway point. Uh, in the in the marathon, I you know I knew that I was in good shape in the lead up. I obviously didn't really know what shape yet. Um, you know, that was when uh, we didn't have carbon plate shoes and all of the fancy foam and all of that. So, you know, we were, um, we didn't, it was just before that, you know, that all of that shoe stuff kind of took off. Unfortunately, I got a blister it or my toenail fell off at about 37k and it was like, I felt like I'd been shot in the foot. Um, so that was, I was really um, not enjoying that part of the uh, the race, but uh, it took, I guess, we started out a little bit slower in um, in that race and we had a couple of pacemakers, but the pace wasn't um, on, on check. And so I remember kind of trying to push the paces a little bit in the first sort of 10K. And then in the end, when I got to 17K, it just wasn't fast enough for the PB that I was chasing. Um, and so, because obviously at the time I was a 226 low runner and I wanted to get into the 224 or 225 zone. So it was a little slow coming into 17K. Um, so I had to make that sort of decision, which I was grappling with from 15. Do I just give it a go and just go on my own or do I just, you know, sort of mosey a bit longer and and then my PB dream would start to dwindle away. Um, so I just decided it's time to just take it myself and just go for it. So, yeah, so off I went at 17 and then um, – Laura Thwaite from the US, she came um, up also and event. I didn't, don't know if she went straight away, but she then decided at some point to come as well. And, and so we ran a little bit of the middle part together um, and then um, and then I could see some other Africans uh, well ahead and so I just started to run and chase them down. And, uh, yeah, and it was a really fun experience coming in uh, coming in past Buckingham Palace and knowing that you ran a PB and and uh, yeah we got to have really good celebrations and and enjoy the moment uh, and also have obviously have some friends and very close friends in um, in London so we got to then enjoy uh, achieving that goal with them for the next week before we before we uh, took the journey home. It always makes it a lot more special when you have that uh, that environment around a great race as well, doesn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it was really great. And, you know, I had Jess there and she ran well and ran a PB and Michael. And, yeah, so just just really nice to have that, you know, that core team uh, around you that, yeah, we were all pretty uh, – we sort of connected really well with Laura as well, given at the time she was being coached by Lee Troop. And, yeah, so it was really nice to have, like, that, that you know, that team to – look out for each other and, yeah, celebrate each other's achievements. Now, you've been coached for many years by uh, the great man, Dick Telford. I really enjoyed interviewing him uh, last month. He's done uh, so many great things for running. Now, Dick was a, a high-level Aussie rules player in his early days and played a lot of footy down there um, and also coached at Preston Football Club and actually coached your dad as well, who also went on to uh, successfully coach Preston. So tell us about how that story goes and how Dick ended up being your coach. I assume it's got to do with that connection. Yeah, so obviously Dick knew me as a little baby coming into the world through uh, through the footy connection. And, yeah, Dad and Dick and, and the late Bruce Reed were very close. And, um, and so I was very fortunate throughout my career. I've been fortunate to have uh, such, you know, wonderful and talented um, guys in my corner looking after me and in, in you know terms of medical support and physiology and coaching and just general mentoring things that you learn as an athlete are, are certainly was in my life are certainly similar and you know you can use those things in your everyday life and work life so um, some of the the uh, things that I've t- been taught through uh, dad and dick has been you know given me the resilience to get through a whole lot of other things that are non-running related, which has been a fantastic um, opportunity for me. But I remember, um, so when I was in my younger years, I kept getting, every time I tried to do some track work, which is why I, my, my track stuff is um, very, you know, there's, there's not that much of a story in all of my track times. Uh, is because every time I tried to get on the track as a, as a late teen, early 20 year old, I kept getting um, stress fractures in my tibia. So I had so many stress fractures in my tibia that it's too, I don't even have enough fingers to count them all. Um, and so I missed a lot of time. I, I could get myself going in the cross-country season, but the minute I hit Olympic Park on the Mondo surface, I'd just get really sore in my shins and then that would develop into something more sinister. Uh, and then I'd miss, you know, a block again and, and this kind of just kept happening. Uh, and so I was really lucky to have Dick as a mentor. Um, I ended up as a, I think it was around, can't re- quite remember the years, but I think it was around the year 2000. I went, I decided that I wanted to go up and run uh, the Noosa Half Marathon. And uh, and so my sister and I went up uh, uh, for the trip and Dick was up there um, with one of his athletes and he you know he spends a fair bit of time in Noosa so it was fortunate that Dick was there um, and I funnily enough got a stressy got a bit of a stress reaction in the lead up to that re- event as well um, my first half but I was so determined I was going to run it anyway that I uh, I ran and got third I think in that race and at the finish line I uh, I went and had a chat with Dick and and talked to him about my situation and what was happening to me and and um, asked him if he could give me a bit of advice. Uh, and so at the time, he was like more than happy to help give me some advice. And he didn't obviously um, at the time know that I would then go on to achieve what I, you know, what I have done. Um, but, you know, he was more than welcome to help me get out of this conundrum I was in. 
and yeah, so he helped myself. And at the time, I had my uh, my junior coach Jeff Hawkins uh, looking after me. And so you know, he worked with Jeff and gave some ideas and set out a bit of a plan to try and get me uh, keep me on the park, basically. And, uh, yeah, and then I still got a couple little bits and pieces happened here and there along the journey. But um, I think from there he introduced me to Pam Turney in Melbourne and and I started running with um, the girls group around the tan with Pam and with uh, Dick remaining as a mentor. Um, and Pam took the reins as coach. Uh, and that gave me a really good opportunity to train with, you know, some really great girls and make some great friends um, and really pushed myself uh, and that took me then uh, to cross country and world cross country and uh, Pam was amazing in, in really teaching me how to be a, a really great cross country runner uh, and then we decided at a particular point in time that you know it was time to give the half another go and the marathon another go uh, but I had to hit some times before uh, in the half before uh, Pam wanted me to have it tackle the um the marathon so we set that goal and hit those times on the Gold Coast in the in the half uh, and then from there we progressed to the marathon and so yeah so that's sort of how that journey progressed um, and Lachlan said to me one day I'd, I'd made the team for the World Cross Country Champs in Glasgow in 2008 and Lachlan said why don't you run London Marathon uh, the Olympics is this you know is that year and you'll be over there already why don't you just give it a go? You never know. You might qualify for the Olympics. Uh, and so I ran, I, you know, I had the opportunity to run London and I uh, got into the elite field, which was fabulous. And, yeah, time trialled uh, a 2.32.20 for my first one and was fortunate that Athletics Australia picked me uh, to join Benita and Kate at the um, Beijing Olympics. And so from there, uh, we progressed to world champs in Berlin and Dick started coaching me full-time uh, from 2009, from the uh, basically just after the, or just around the early part of 2009, uh, which is when we went to World Cross in Jordan uh, and then on to the Berlin uh, World Champ Marathon. Yeah, and so we had a great result there. In, I think I finished 18th there. Um, it was really hot. I remember feeling extremely sunburnt by the end of that one. Uh, and we were out, I think the race started about 11 in the morning. So we had ice vests and towels and things on it, uh, you know, just to try and combat the, the very warm temperatures that we had there. And that was my initiation into running hot weather marathons for Australia. Let's talk about your 10,000 for a bit. I mean, as I mentioned before, you're at Zatopec uh, there very consistently. I saw in the early 2000s, you were sort of running around the, uh, the mid 35 range for the 10K. And, and on the road, in 04 and 05, you started to just crack um, under the 35 there. You're running a bit quicker on the road, um, including over there, the Ekinen Relays in Japan, which I want to hear more about soon. Then in 06, you um, had a big leap in performance down there in Zatopec. You finished second, running 33.25, so quicker than um, than those 35s. And 12 days earlier than that, you um, you took out the, the Ron Clark Classic 5,000 metre in 16.07, so um, what do you feel you were sort of doing that, that, that gave you that big jump up? Was it just more Ks in the legs? Were you upped your volume? Was it changing your, your, your training techniques? It was injuries. Okay. So, yeah, in those, in those 35-minute 10K mm. zones, you know, periods in my career, 
I spent most of the year injured. I probably spent more more of the time injured than I did training, sure. to be quite honest. Okay. So, yeah, it was really I, – I just could not shake um, the challenge I was having in my shins. So I was just getting shin splints, which was turning into sh- uh, stress reactions, which – you know, then turned into fractures mm. and that, and it was just this, um, you know, this, uh, I guess we had to just play around a bit. I had to keep trying something different. You know, the doctors and medical uh, folks said run on grass, but I think that actually really hindered me. I'd run on grass and, and then because the surfaces weren't even on the grass, then that would kind of exacerbate uh, the, the challenge I had in my shins uh, and I was working and studying as well at that time, so I certainly wasn't training like an, you know, like an elite athlete or, you know, like our top juniors do right now. I was trying to work to pay my uni degree, pay off a uni degree. Uh, I was trying to, um, uh, you know, finish my degree in uh, business information systems. So I was working pretty hard doing those, uh, doing uh, working a job and studying, and then trying to fit in some running. Uh, and then when I fa- first started my career, I started as a graduate at PricewaterhouseCoopers and, uh, you know, I was working till all hours of the night as a graduate, um, you know, proving myself and finding my way in my career. So, you know, I look at it and I think, look back now and I think, you know, I wish I hadn't have stressed out as much as I did about my uh, injuries at the time, because I think that, you know, what happened to me as a junior and the you know, the, t- the time that I missed and the injuries I had kept experiencing were probably just, you know, the way the universe worked out for me because in the end, uh, I'm really fortunate to have a great career at IBM and and I'm really fortunate to have all of my, you know, family life all settled nicely and, and I've been really fortunate to achieve the results I have in the longer distance events, which really is where I you know, wh- where my um, talents lie. So I think in the end, even though at the time it was pretty frustrating to just continually get uh, sore all the time, mm. uh, you know, that once you get to my age, um, you know, coming up to 42 and, you know, you get, you, you start to realise that, you know, there's no, that sweating those times is kind of a bit of a waste of energy uh, because, yeah, in, in the marathon caper, it's certainly the latter years that you really um, hit your straps. So, yeah. yeah, so it's perhaps it's just, it was all just meant to be, but at the time I didn't know that, you know, as a youngster. Yeah, no, it's a good positive philosophy to have on that. Um, but with the with the tibias and the stress fractures, were they, obviously they're looking at load, but they were looking at the way you were landing. Was it, was it anything to do with that or was it just load related or the fact that maybe you weren't recovering because you've had all those other stresses in your life? Yeah, look, I think it was a bit of a combo of all that. You know, I think it was certainly about load. I think it was about uh, that the body just wasn't ready for that kind of training on the track, that intense training. Uh, And because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do all the other things, didn't have time for all the other things that you need to do Mm. when you've got some, you know, when you've got some things that have to be worked through, uh, you know, it just exacerbated it you know I was always trying to just fit in training because yep. it couldn't be the number one thing in my life at that time so yeah and it's still not the number one thing in my life right now so um, it's just that I'm older my body's more attuned and accustomed to the miles um, and like I said I think there's a few things there I think um, I certainly 
have benefited from seeing uh, a particular podiatrist, David Walker, uh, down here. He helped me a lot through uh, that transition from uh, into the marathon, and um, and knowing a lot about you know all the different shoes and selecting the right shoes at the time, uh, that certainly had a an influence in the change in you know in my ability to handle load. Uh, but it is quite interesting that as soon as I stopped running on the grass and started running on, um, you know, paths, roads or, or gravel, you know, well, not shifty, non-shifty surfaces, mm. uh, I, I tend to run better and just not get sore. So uh, I think some of the things that I was told to do through no fault of the medical team, you know, just that's what they thought was a good thing to do to run on grass um, I, I think in the end that probably hindered me uh, more than it helped. Yeah, and then just going from that, you know, putting yourself in cotton wool and then trying to then get on the track and do that hard track work, uh, I just don't think my legs were, you know, ready for it because and because I kept getting the stress fracture then having to build again, I was just kind of in a bit of a spiral. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think in the end the marathon training uh, suited me better because I still had to get into, as per last year's PBs, I still have to get into really great 10K shape. Uh, but I'm not, I don't need to worry about, you know, 400 metre speed, if you know what I mean. I'm doing a lot of 400s rather than needing to run a 400 PB, you know, or an 800 PB. You know, I don't have to worry about that that top end. I, I just need to be able to consistently hold a certain pace. And um, possibly because you... Back then, mate, were you getting the stresses in the tibias? You would have been wearing the spikes on the track, and you're probably not doing that these days. You might be doing interval work, but you'd just be on the road with normal shoes these days. Would that be right? That's right. Yeah. My spikes mm. are very clean, put mm. it that way. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, let's 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 chat about Ekaden. Um Absolutely huge over there in Japan. Uh, lots of corporate money being thrown around, millions of TV viewers, uh, lots of Japanese runners wanting to become rock stars and household names. Tell us about your experiences over there. You've done that a couple of times, I believe. Yeah, Ekaden's really fun because you have the, that opportunity to go and run with, you know, girls and now guys because it's mixed now, but at the time girls who you're usually competing against, whereas now you're in the same team. So it's really fun to have that camaraderie and to be all working towards the same goal and that's running as fast as we can for each other uh, so it's more about you know you want to do well for each other than than all than the sport being you know all about yourself uh, so I really love that loved the um, yeah that relay concept and uh, yeah look I hope it keeps going and I hope Australia gets to continue to be part of it because it's um it's something that I cherish uh, some of those experiences uh, and, you know, there's early learning experiences in, in terms of international travel and what to eat and how to be flexible in a new environment. You know, they, those opportunities like Ekaden uh, really give you that taste in a not so uh, pressure cooker environment like an Olympics or a Com Games is. Now, you mentioned before the track wasn't kind to you, beating up the legs, but uh, you're quite good on, on the cross country. Um, you picked up the under-23s national title back in 03. Uh, and then continue to place pretty highly at the states and nationals in the year after that. 07, you finished second and, uh, and earned your first Australian single, I reckon it might have been, at the 07 World Cross over there in uh, Mombasa, Kenya. Uh, would that be correct? 
Yeah, that's right. Yep. Now that's a pretty iconic and fitting place to to race your first world. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about yeah. that. Yes, that was crazy. Uh, yep. Certainly for a timid girl at the time, I was, you know, pretty shy person, and um, yeah, to go over and experience that as my first team was certainly uh, set me set me up well because it was only going to get easier from there. I think mm. after Mombasa. Yeah, who was on the uh, team yeah. with you that year? Um, so Dave McNeil, um, you know, Dave, uh, is actually a neighbor. He's only a kilometer away from me. And, um, yeah, so Dave, uh, Michael, of course, Anna, I spent most of my cross country days, um, with Anna Thompson and we, you know, we spent most of all of the races that we did together. We'd be roomies, uh, Mm. as as many places as we had the opportunity to go to together. Uh, so we always loved you know, helping each other and supporting each other. And she was a phenomenal world cross and cross country runner. So I always, uh, you know, I always felt very inspired uh, to be rooming with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, look, it was, it was very difficult conditions, as you know, I think it was like 38 degrees or something uh, when we ran that race. Uh, I remember running, you know, it was a lap course on a golf course. And as you would go through a lap, you would see, uh, these random deposits of uh, uh, racing spikes and socks mm. along the course. And I think what was happening is anytime someone, uh, f- you know, couldn't finish or had, and they took their shoes off, they'd leave their shoes there. So there was all these, um, yeah, I remember all these shoes and all these spikes all over the course. Okay. Um, and then finishing, I don't remember finishing, to be honest. I ran through, uh, we ran through the finish line uh, and there were some photos of us in some big drums of ice, uh, ice water. And there's some photos of us, and I don't really remember that. I remember being in a, uh, a tent with Robbie O'Donnell, the physio, uh, looking after us, and Karen Holzer. And I remember him telling me to put ice pack, yeah, handing me ice and telling me to put it in all the different spots under your arms, in your groin. Um, you know, under the back of your knee and that sort of stuff to try and cool the body down. Mm. Uh, and so I remember him shouting at me, put this under here, put this here, you know, mm. try to get, cool us all down in a mad panic. Uh, yeah, so it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, certainly, certainly an experience and certainly the exact opposite to what we experienced in Glasgow uh, the following year. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly chalk and cheese yeah, in 12 months. Yeah, definitely. 2007, the, the Goldie Half, um, you mentioned before, you ran a 72.02. Had that got you um, got you onto that team? I guess that would have been your second Aussie team um, that you'd made for the World Road Champs over there in Italy in October. Now you ran 72.53 there. So tell us about that trip. Yeah, so both World Halves I did, the one in Hungary uh, and the one in Udine in Italy. I actually got sick on both trips. Okay. So... It was a very frustrating experience, but that's running, um, so it doesn't doesn't always pan out the way you plan. But yeah, the first trip I got a really bad stomach cramps, um, and the second was quite similar. Um, I just think the yeah traveling to those remote places from Australia, uh, where you kind of you don't have the same setup, you know, as you do for Olympics, where you have a village and you know you you're going into a into a hotel with you know, the local food and um, it, and it's a long way uh, all the way to the top of Italy from Australia. So I think, yeah, that 
it, I was proud of my race there, but I certainly, um, certainly learnt a lot about, you know, travel and, and the impacts of, of travelling so far to remote places has on, you know, trying to run at that world-class level. So I think, um, you know, they were very early days in my career um, on that sort of scene. So, you know, as then, and, and helped me, I guess, in if you look at it in a positive light, uh, those experiences helped me uh, for the marathon because I then knew, you know, all the things I needed to do and where I should race marathons and, you know, what sort of travel itinerary to look at and what food to pack for myself and, you know, all of those, you know, smaller things that you need to uh, plan out that have a big impact on a race uh, because I'd experienced um, two not-so-flash situations in terms of travel and location. Uh, I then was uh, a bit uh, more educated in what to do when it came to the marathon. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, so I think, you know, once again, in the end, those experiences, all know, although not what you wanted them to be, you know, certainly, um, you know, gave me that opportunity to learn and be ready for, you know, what was to come in the years ahead. Mm, yeah, sure. Um, now, the post is starting to deliver Australian singles to you quite regularly now. Um, in 08, um, they mentioned before, back over to, uh, to World Cross in Edinburgh in March. You know, you finished 20th spot there. It's pretty impressive. A week later, pop in Ireland on the way to London uh, for the 10K there, uh, the Booper 10K, finishing fifth in 32.57. And then, um, as you mentioned, debut marathon in London, 13th spot, yeah, 232.22. Um, that, again, as, as you said, got you onto that, that Beijing Olympic team. So that's a pretty impressive three weeks, World Cross and then a 10K in Ireland and then your debut marathon. So there's a hell of a lot going on there. Let's, uh, let's just quickly talk about that. Yeah, it was, it was, um, the world cross was one of my favorite experiences ever in my career to date. You know, it was, you know, I'm never, I think that year I won the trial. Um, but once again, you know, throughout my career, most people haven't really looked at me as, uh, you know, the top athlete or the, you know, most talented or the fastest or the best or any of that sort of stuff. I'm always sort of that bridesmaid, um, you know, in people's minds and, the one that tries really hard, uh, and which isn't a bad thing because that's kind of who I am. I am the one that tries really hard. Uh, and so I guess no one really had huge expectations for me at World Cross, you know, that year. But, you know, I had certainly developed and had and strung together a much better, um, you know, year or so of training with Pam at the time uh, for that cross-country race. She'd really put me in great uh, shape for World Cross and I'd experienced the, the World Cross in Kenya the year before. Uh, so I had that, you know, I had that uh, under my belt to, to work with for Glasgow. Um, the conditions were different. They were muddy, like a traditional cross-country. There was a, a nice hill to climb up um, each lap and uh, we had a, a great team of girls, very inspiring with uh, Melissa and Vicky Mitchell and Benita and Anna, uh, Melissa Rollinson. So it was a great team to be part of. Uh, and I remember running the last lap and hearing over the speaker that um, that if we were to pass the two Americans who were just in front of me, uh, that we would take the bronze. Um, and so I was running my my heart out towards that bronze medal and it was such a wonderful feeling passing those two Americans and knowing that 
you know, even though I was in 20th place, we were going to get the uh, the bro- team bronze medal. So mm. you can't ever forget a moment like that. And, sure. uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for the girls for all their hard running because, yeah, it was a fantastic, um, yeah, fantastic World Cross and really uh, something that I'll always cherish and have in my mind to this day. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that would have been our first and, and only medal since in yeah, the team. Yeah, yep. since then, yeah, I'd say so since. I'm not sure if it mm. uh, whether we've won any others, but yeah, certainly don't think we've won any since. All right, debut marathon. Now you mentioned before, uh, Lachlan said, "Look, you're going to be over there about London Marathon." So when, when you, you know, yourself and Pam were, were building up for the for the World Cross, um, I assume the 10k in Ireland was just a, a fill-in for for the marathon, or was that sort of like I'm wondering how far out did you say I'm going to do these three races, or is it something that one led to another, or? Yeah, so I stayed. Um, so after World Cross, I stayed with Nick Bedo's team in um, in London for that two weeks, and he arranged for me to be able to get a spot at London Marathon. And so I spent a fair bit of time for that two weeks with Vicky Mitchell, uh, and she was running the 10k, and a few of the boys were running as well. I think Marty Dent, um, Leatherby, Andrew Leatherby uh, was certainly running as well. So I was fortunate to join those guys and have a run in uh in that race in Ireland and I'd never been there before I haven't been back yet either but um but it was really you know great opportunity to to go and run that 10k because it was on and it you know it was um something I you know wasn't really necessarily going to get the opportunity to do again so yeah so we did that and that was fun and went on to you know that was it's out in a in a park and I uh, didn't see much of Ireland because we stayed at the airport hotel, ran the race, and then mm. headed back. Okay. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was it, it was certainly a good opportunity to experience and get the, get everything out of that three week period that I was there over in that part of the world. Uh, and then, yeah, we went on to do. I went on to do London. I was not really sure. Obviously, it was my first marathon, and I'd been told lots of different things about the marathon. Uh, things like when you get to 35k you're just going to feel like you don't want to go any go on um, so be ready and you know all those positive things Uh, so I had no idea what this whole experience was going to be like Uh, and yeah and I and I wasn't running uh, I wasn't marathon training as such you know I was really training more for the cross country that I'd ran two weeks earlier than I was as a marathoner uh, I certainly didn't have the mileage and all of that in my legs uh, just because of the fact that I'd been such an injury-prone athlete. We didn't want to, um, you know, jump into a big marathon block straight away, you know, sure. and uh, yep. unravel everything that I'd achieved to date. So um, I think I was running about 110 Ks a week probably okay. for, yep. for that race uh, and uh, just focusing on all the work that I wanted to do for the, for the cross-country race. Mm. And, yeah, I set out in that race and I didn't really worry about anyone else that was in the race. I just set my, you know, had my splits. I knew what I wanted to try and achieve and I pretty much ran the whole thing on my own uh, and came out just shy of trying to crack that 232, that sub 232. So, yeah, so very different experience. We hit, we had a bit of a um, misty well, quite sleety rain came on, with about five miles to go. Um, so we had a headwind with um, sleet in that last five miles. So it was a bit, you know, that I guess that was that moment of, oh, you know, that's when the quads hurt and I wasn't really, you know, 
didn't have well-trained quads like yeah. I do now. Um, so I got a bit sore um, at that point, you know, from pounding that pavement for so long and having not done as much work as I, you know, I do late. I've done more recently, but it was still, yeah, it wasn't that bad. I did really want to stop and I was glad when the finish line came, but um, it wasn't as bad as what I'd been told yeah. <laughs> it was going to be like. <laughs> so yeah. so there's yeah, no, there was so no big fade. You might have dropped a little bit per K, but not, not a heap. That's right. And I think a lot of that was to do with the fact that we, you know, hit this um, this headwind and sure. this sleet okay. yep. more than anything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all part of the journey. Yeah, and that two thirty two got you on the team for for Beijing, as you mentioned. What was the actual um, Olympic qualifying time? You had to run. So I can't remember what the world athletic standard was at mm. the time, mm. but it was in the two forties, I think. Okay. Or two thirty eight. I think it might have been two thirty eight for yeah, the world right. athletics. Yeah. Uh, but that at the time, Athletics Australia set two thirty two as our benchmark. Okay. And I was very fortunate that they um, still. I was the only other qualifier anyway. So I didn't, it's not like I was, you know, Benita and Kate had qualified and there was no one else that had ran anywhere near their time. So, yeah, so it was good. I was next in line and they did take me even though I hadn't uh, gone under the 232. So I'm really fortunate that that happened because that kicked off my career. Yeah, first Olympics, um, obviously every uh, every athlete's dream. Now you ran 234.16 there, finishing 33rd. Any other Aussie girls finish in front of you? Or how did the other girls go? Yeah, Benito was about 22nd, I think. Okay. 20, yep. What, first or 22nd? What, high 28s um, or like 29s or do you know what she ran? Was I, she in the 30s as I, well? I can't remember. I'd have to look that up. Okay, yep. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, yeah, um, I ran pretty much within myself in that race. Yep. Um, you know, I was advised by a few people to run within, you know, run a bit slower and you know, go out a bit slow. And so I I went out slower, but then um, I just came home pretty, you know, pretty comfortable. So I was probably a bit disappointed with that Olympics uh, because I I had a bit too much in the tank for that one. So, but, you know, I'd only had a few months to prepare and I wasn't, wasn't really a marathoner as such at the time, you know, I was finding my way and um, yeah. So just gave, made me a bit more hungry for, you know, the next one in uh, Berlin in 2009. Yeah, and did you get to experience much of the Olympics? Yeah, look, I I knew I had a bit too much left in the tank after the um after the race because I ended up walking the Great Wall the next day okay. <laughs> with yeah. the with the Olympic team. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah, you you don't know you follow people's advice, I guess in the end that you you know that were there to tell you what they thought you should do and and so I followed that, but I probably, and I, I, look, I didn't follow it to the letter to, to be honest, you know, I was told to go out in like 2.38 and I think I, and I didn't go out in that, that slow because it just was too slow. Um, but I think I could have gone out certainly a lot quicker than what I went out in. And so I just basically ran the same pace throughout the race from memory um, and then felt pretty good that second week and yeah, got to see the great, got to go and walk the great wall and, I and I had um, my IBM colleagues in China uh, put on a party for me as well at the IBM office, so uh, that was a nice cultural experience. Uh, and yeah, so it was it was a nice nice trip, and certainly got then going on to London 
um, you know, London was amazing and very different and then Rio very different again. So all very different experiences across all, all of the Olympics so far. Now, as you mentioned there, yeah, 09 off to, uh, off to Berlin for, for the Worlds again, um, 2.30.42. Then in April 2010, you, uh, you win your first marathon over there in Nagano. Uh, you ran your first sub 2.30 there, running 2.28.48. That's pretty huge. First sub 2.30 and winning a marathon, a major marathon. Tell us about that one. Yeah, that was a, an opportunity I had. So I started working with Derek Frude as a manager. Uh, he was good friends with Dick, and so it was a really good chance to get his support to, you know, start to get me into different races and experience different things. Uh, so that year I had uh, the opportunity to, to run at Nagano. It was, um, yeah, Locke and I went over and we and with Kate Smythe as well. Uh, and, and her husband Craig. So we, you know, we had a, a, a small contingent of, of, of us Aussies over there. And yeah, look, I was running along, and I'd really after the uh, 2009 World Champs, you know, I'd had that experience under my belt, and I was starting to progress with a bit more mileage. Um, and I was being coached by Dick at that point in 2009, and so we thought, it, you know, running a marathon where I'd have, you know, a group of men and women together would be a good experience for me. So that's that's why Nagano sort of hit the spot. Uh, and I was running along. I got to halfway. Oh, I remember I got to 5 or 10K mark and the favourite um, actually uh, not, just did a sweep and knocked all the drink bottles off the table. So I didn't get a drink, you know, in the early part of the race, which was, a, you know, a different experience. Um, you mean on, on purpose? Yeah, well, I, I would hate sure. to accuse, but it seemed very much oh, right. an <laughs> it accidental very coat hanger. If it really, <laughs> if it was. Okay. Um, so we went along, uh, ran along, and then by the time we got to halfway, uh, all the other competitors had dropped off, um, and so it certainly was a different experience for me because I'd said to Lachlan earlier that like I'm ready to you know run my heart out and you know and go through this ex- this potential painful experience that the marathon provides. And uh, and I didn't have to do that in the end. I, I was running well at the pace and running along nicely at the, you know, in that sub 2.30 pace. And, um, and then in the end, the rest of the field just dropped off. So it was, um, yeah, certainly. And I was leading and running along going, wow, I'm winning the Nagato Marathon. <laughs> so it was a very different experience to what we had expected you know, I expected to be racing to the finish line, basically. Yeah. I thought I could had a chance at winning, um, winning the event, but I thought in order to do that, you know, I'd at least be racing to, uh, you know, two athletes to the, you know, to the death. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, it didn't pan out that way. So <laughs> yeah. it uh, then allowed me in the second half to just focus on my pace and my cadence and just, um, yeah, just keep trying to target that 228 that we'd, we were going after. I mean, they must have treated you like royalty over there. They love their, their marathon running in, in Japan. Um, is it, were that right or? Oh, they were lovely when yeah. we walked into the, yeah, when we walked into the hotel, they yeah. were all in the hotel, you know, and, you know, handing out flowers and gifts sure. and yeah, look, it's, it's wonderful running a marathon in Japan. It's, yeah. um, they're so kind and yeah, yeah it's, um, it's a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's going to make the Olympics uh, more special. I think they're going to do a great, great, uh, great job at it. Um, look, in these early days, I'm just interested with your marathon running. Like, were you still trying to fine-tune your nutrition or 
and you know even today do you have sort of a set thing that you go to or you're still playing around with it or never had any issues with taking in nutrition no stomach upsets or anything like that i've been okay up until chicago uh, mm. but i don't think that's necessarily to do with the nutrition that i had i'm pretty sure that it was a uh, food poisoning yep. um so i've i have had the same plan from dick throughout my okay. marathons with yep. some tweaks in terms of the volume yeah. of, um, you know, because it, it really depends on the weather. So sure. I've ran a lot of hot weather marathons yep. in my career. Yep. I've tried to bypass a few, so I haven't um, nominated for a few world championships just because of what it does to your body yep. uh, running in the heat mm. so often. Mm. So, you know, I've had to forego uh, nominating for a few of them. Okay. Just because every single one seems to be in the heat, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with the Moscow and the Tegu and yeah. and all of those. So yeah, so it's um, but after Chicago, because I was so sick, vomiting, um, from about twenty eight k through to you know the end, um, I was just continually vomiting, which was horrible. Uh, I then just couldn't stomach the same drinks that I had been having yep. and gels okay so it wasn't that there was anything wrong with them yeah. it was just that i have these memories yeah, and this sure. feeling of, yep. you know <laughs> yep. Yep. so um so in the as soon as we finished as soon as i got chicago disappointment out of my system uh got home spent a, a week over there and then got home uh i ended up working with jess rothwell uh and she actually set up another a new plan and a new set of drinks and i'm using um the 32 gi product um and you know that's that really worked well in osaka in january of taking more more uh carbs um mm. in that race i took on more carbs um through that product and um through all the trialing over christmas when i got back from chicago and and i negative split at osaka and came home really strong and feeling really you know, really great in that second half. So, um, yeah, mm. so I think that, you know, you've got to be prepared to trial new things. Yeah, um, sure. But this was, yeah, a little bit different just because, you know, there was a couple, there was three of us um, that ended up with some stomach problems. So Steph, Steph Bruce and um, Betsy Sainer and I all had some issues. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, so okay. unfortunate. But, yeah, that's... um. So yeah, so it's given, but once again, an opportunity to then tweak tweak things because you tend not to change things if they're not broken. Um, but perhaps it's the change, you know, that change is what I need for a good 2021. Now let's let's head back 2010. Um, you won that Goldie half. That was actually three minutes and two seconds faster than when you won it in uh, in 2007. Uh, three minutes and two seconds faster than when you won it, and you won them both, so that's incredible. Then you ran the marathon three, three months later um, at your first Com Games, I guess it would have been in Delhi. That's where you picked up the bronze medal, running at 235.25, so... It's not a bad, uh, not a bad um, com game start. It was hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I believe it took yeah, you a while to get over that one, and probably did a lot of athletes. Did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It definitely took a long time to get over that one. Um, I think I ended up getting a stress fracture in my sacrum okay. at the end of that year, yeah. um, if I can remember rightly. Um, and yeah, look, it, it, it was the training itself was grueling, um, you know, because we knew what we had to prepare for. Um, then we spent a bit of time in Townsville and Cairns as well, I think it was. No, 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 that year we spent – no, I spent Townsville. I, 
I had time in Townsville for Beijing Olympics. Then I had time in Palm Cove and Cairns for, with Michael and Dick and Lachlan for Com Games. Uh, uh, but I actually, while I was in Cairns on the training camp, uh, there was one Sunday uh, the week before, the Sunday before the race, uh, where it started raining really heavy and we were out on a Sunday run. And I actually tweaked my quad um, in this Sunday run running on this um, running sort of through the dirt roads. Um, so the f- then I think it was about four days I couldn't run um, before Delhi. So it's pretty stressful uh, because, you know, we'd done all this work, we'd done all the grueling training uh, and it was a bit 50-50 around how I was going to, you know, be right for the race day. Uh, but thankfully it settled a fair bit and then I was able to run reasonably comfortably. I think later on, like everything, everything hurts when you're running a marathon in the last 10K. So, um, you know, it was probably exacerbated a bit by the by that and by all the stress on the body from that, that race. But, um, yeah, but certainly uh, having that, you know, having had all the work in, you know, in my legs and all of that in the lead up, um, you know, the mind was was certainly willing to push myself as hard as possible to mm. to try and medal. So, yeah, so it did certainly didn't go to nice and smoothly that um, that build up. You know, there's always something that seems to happen to uh, you know give you a um, you know a bit of a stress to worry about in the lead up, but. Um, thankfully it worked out to to secure a medal because uh, you know we certainly worked pretty hard for that i see there in 2011 um sort of i had the wind knocked out of your sails there in the early part of 2011 and headed over to frankfurt at the end of october and ran a, a 229.23 finishing 12 so nice to um keep that sub 230 box tick there yeah so i both lock and i ended up getting osteitis pubis and um and a sacral stress fracture um at christmas so at christmas time of 2010 so um yeah we ended up um trying to get back and run that marathon off a very small build-up mm. so in frankfurt yep. uh we went over to boulder with michael because uh, i thought i can't do this this is going to be a tough ass to try and qualify um and so we decided let's go away for the first time you know for the first time and not work at the time and get a bit of an altitude experience and and uh just put everything into it because I was going to need it I had a really short um window to go from being totally injured and hadn't run for months Mm -hmm. to you know running an Olympic qualifier um I remember the first session on the Boulder Reservoir um I, I think it was only like 10 by one minute and we could barely finish it. It was, <laughs> that's how unfit I was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think I had to then race eight weeks later um, in Frankfurt. So um, we certainly went from zero to, you know, a good enough level of fitness to get the qualifier in a very short space of time. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, so I'm really proud of that race. But I remember running down um, the last couple of K, last two or three K and I had like tears running down my face because it was so painful uh, because I hadn't ran one for so you know for a long time and and I'd been through so many injuries yeah, um okay. since the top games and uh I, I had tears running down my face you know going I'm gonna make this qualifying time but my gosh this hurts yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah 
the things that, yeah, the things that you put yourself through, hey? Sure, sure. <laughs> you just tell yourself, you know, in an hour, I'll be sitting around having a drink, laughing about it all. So that's right. That's generally what I say to myself when it's getting ugly. <laughs> um, look, 2012, New York City half. Um, in March, running 70-10, 2K road wins in June at Lawney and, and Brisbane. You're going 32-17 and 32-46 there um, before your second Olympic gig over there in London in August. Now, imagine this was a PB, 227-32, finishing 16th. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, at the time, you know, obviously you always want to run faster and, you know, so you have, you know, lofty goals all the time and, Sometimes you don't run as fast, but um, certainly couldn't complain with running a PB in Olympics because um, there's not much more you can ask of yourself than than doing that. So, yep. yeah, it was um, – I mean, it was amazing Olympics, um, London. Everything was so well organised. Um, you know, most of the time we don't have the – I don't have the ability to have Dick in the village or have him around. Um, and, and for London, we couldn't even – you know, I couldn't even have him at the start um, in terms of available accreditation passes. Um, but the most amazing thing happened in the lead up to that race. And, you know, we were bussed out to the start and in the tent. Um, and then uh, thankfully Dick was able to um, connect with someone that he knew and he was able to then come in, a co- you know, accompanied by security with Lachlan and, and see me right at, you know, at the tent uh, before the start of the race. Um, and so, you know, those little things you stick in your mind. Mm. You know, we were having a photo uh, with the guards on the on the finish line, um, ju- you know, just before the race. And, yeah. you know, I felt like, you know, to have a hug from them and sure. a last, you know, last few words and all of that is um, certainly has an impact on your positivity and your mental state when you're about to, to run a race like that. So uh, if I think of anything related to London, I think of that um, that pre-race uh, experience that we had that, you know, I didn't think I would get. So, uh, yeah, so that that was London. I think certainly loved running that course. And I remember I didn't see – it was very busy, um, you know, it was packed streets in London for the marathon so and very noisy. So it was hard to pick anyone out in the crowd. But, um, but I remember um, – uh, seeing one of you know my idols as a as a junior, Natalie, um, who ran for Doncaster, and I remember her sticking her arm out at one point on the course, um, and waving her arm and yelling out my name, and she's the only person I recognised from the whole <laughs> from the whole course. Uh, but it was so nice to just see her in amongst you know seas of people. Yeah. Uh, in that event. Yeah. Fantastic. Certainly can't complain with that. You know, having that London experience is certainly. At an Olympic, certainly tops off um, all of the others. That's for sure. Yeah, no, fantastic. So far, yeah, hopefully no. Tokyo might uh, might change that. Yes, yes, but... we hope so for sure. <laughs> but it certainly was my fo- most favourite. Okay, Lisa. So 2013 um, starts off the 229.09 over there in the Sark in January, where you finish fourth. You end up winning your second marathon here in home soil in Melbourne, uh, where you ran that incredible 226.05. So uh, a memorable day racing there at home among friends and family. Tell us about that. Yeah, look, I guess what happened there with the backstory of that is that I ran London Olympics and ran a PB and felt like I was progressing, but I was knocked back again through for any, you know, sort of national support, you know, with our um, governing body. Um, And I didn't have a a shoe sponsor. And so I was really quite a bit, you know, disappointed after that, uh, running so well at the Olympics and still sort of being told that I wasn't good enough for, you know, uh, to be on, you know, progression track for, you know, within the sport and 
and that I had to run faster and, you know, and similarly to get any sort of sponsorship help. And uh, so I had signed up to Osaka, uh, but to, but I, Lachlan actually got injured over the summer and I really struggled with motivation to prepare um, for Osaka. I went anyway and ran and I did the best I could. Um, I got ended up getting a really sore calf um, partway through the race. And so it was a bit of a disappointing experience, but one that I just kind of chalked up to, well, I wasn't really, my head wasn't really in the game and, um, you know, I was, I was elsewhere in my thought process and, you know, it's probably the result that I really deserved given the commitment I, you know, had given for that one. Mm. Um, but that made me quite, you know, ready and not so much angry, but, you know, uh, ready to tackle another campaign and get, do it, you know, do it really well and give it my all. Um, and then I was told by our federation that I had to run under 226 at the time to gain any support. Um, so I sort of had this target, uh, you know, in the back of my mind as well. And, you know, we did everything we could and I ran, you know, I, I'm so proud of the Melbourne race. I mean, I gave it everything I could and went through in the splits that I was sort of targeting. And unfortunately, uh, fortunately, I won the race, which was which is fabulous and I loved it every minute of it. Uh, but unfortunately I didn't quite get the sub 226. Mm. So once again, I was knocked back for any sort of support. So, um, you know, it was a bit of a, you know, that, that happy and sad moment um, of running a big PB, sure. finishing in the MCG with your family, but not quite hitting that time. I think it was only, you know, five oh, or six seconds, seconds yeah. off. I mean, so, sub 226 yeah. is pretty fast back in 13 to get to gain funding, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so that was the yeah that was the disappointment sure. of the whole time, but it certainly wasn't the story. You know, the main story. It was, yep. um, you know, we were pretty pretty excited to have that experience to win Melbourne, to win it with um, you know, where I had I had competition, uh, to get there, and I had um had to really race it and make good decisions throughout that race to make sure I came through with the win. It was a bit nerve wracking because it got to like the forty k mark before I passed. Uh, past her but uh, we got there and that's the main thing hey yeah, fantastic. <laughs> 2014-2015 things go a bit quiet um, no Glasgow Com Games due to the birth of your son Peter now imagine you couldn't have gone too long without a run so what were you sort of doing during that time to sort of maintain some sort of fitness because you came back um, pretty fit not a lot actually okay. uh, yeah so we I ended up getting a sacral stress fracture in the lead up to the um it was sort of Christmas time uh, and obviously I'd, at the time, I mean, I was hoping for a, a big result in Glasgow and I was, you know, going to be announced uh, for that team given all of the PBs and where I'd sat in the list and of qualifiers. So that was all the planning and, and you know, where we were heading. Um, and then at Christmas time, I got a sacral stress fracture, just completely random. We were out doing some one-minute efforts um fartlek and i got back and that afternoon i was just sitting on the computer doing a few things and when i tried to get up i couldn't um, put any pressure on my leg um, and had this shooting pain uh in my sacral area and so once i learned that the doctors said that i had a um had to have three months off and so i said to like well this may be a sign perhaps we just we just you know we've wanted to start a family so you know, and we were going to do that immediately after Glasgow if I could do it, you know, if we could fall pregnant quickly enough. Um, and, yeah, and so we thought, well, this is this might be the, the 
universe telling us what to do. Uh, And so fortunately for us, two things happened. The injury got, the injury healed really quickly. I ended up using the Ultra G um, after about uh, four, four weeks, four and a half weeks. I got on the Ultra G for the first time and used that. And I actually got fit. I was meant to run the, um, the New York City half as well. Um, and obviously I, I didn't continue that campaign, but I got really fit and I, um, we had a wedding in the US at the time in March. And so we went over for that and, um, and I was running around Central Park um, and I started to feel, I did a lap and I thought, wow, I'm really fit. I can't believe how, how amazing I feel, you know, I'm, I might be ready for the Com Games and, you know, it, you know, and so we we thought, oh, yeah, we'll be right for Com Games. Um, and then when we got back from the trip, we realised that I was pregnant. So um, okay. we had a different celebration. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so really, um, yeah, I'm really glad that, you know, I was able to fall pregnant so quickly mm. uh, because, you know, you worry as a female distance runner, you know, whether it's going to take a while and sure. whether you're going to have challenges there. So, uh, yeah, we were so over the moon that it happened so quickly um, and Pete's a little champ. So, yep. uh, certainly, uh, yeah, certainly been the best thing I've done in my life. And I know Lachlan will say the same thing, that he, uh, he's a little gem. Yeah, fantastic. And his middle name's Richard, named after your your current coach. That's a very nice thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, both our fathers are Peter, so he's Peter. He's the little Peter, although he's he's now being – uh, he's going to be the tallest Peter, I think, in, okay, the, in yep. the three Peters. Uh, and, yeah, and Richard for s- three very strong influences in, in his life. Yeah, so, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> All right, 2016 yeah. Olympic year, Rio. Um, you head over to Houston in January, finishing second, running a 2.27.25. So not a bad start back to uh, back to the marathon career. Yeah, it was uh, fun going to Houston. Lachlan, my husband, went to Rice University over there. So, um, was great place to return to marathon running. And, you know, like we had Pete and I had accepted the fact that, you know, maybe we would be able to get back and maybe we wouldn't, you know, you just don't know how your body's going to respond. And I didn't run through my pregnancy. I did a few little, um, you know, in the first uh, trimester, I just felt so exhausted just trying to work and, and create Pete that I couldn't run very much. Um, in the second, I ran a little bit and did just some, you know, five-minute jog, one-minute walk. Um, and then – and that would have only been for about maybe four weeks. Uh, and then in the third trimester, I was so out of proportion because I basically had a ginormous whale belly and not really much anywhere else. So I just was completely out of proportion and uncomfortable. So the idea of trying to run <laughs> with that body shape just wasn't sure. yeah. <laughs> wasn't going to work. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we didn't start training again until, you know, the the three months off post um, cesarean. I ended up having a cesarean so because uh, he couldn't get out um, of my small frame. Yep. Uh, we tried, but he couldn't get out. So, um, yeah, three months after I then started to do my – walk jogging and you know that started off with a I tried to walk to the park 400 meters and I could barely make it and had to sit down on the park bench yeah, okay. uh, so that that's that was a very funny experience yeah, yeah. having uh, been a marathoner uh, yeah and so we got back into things got ready got went to I think my first race was actually the half marathon in Melbourne um, that year and then we went on two months later and ran Houston which is really 
yeah, really great to get a second place at a big marathon like that uh, with a nice, um, you know, half a dozen or so uh, talented African women to uh, race against. So, yeah, it's good fun. Then you win the Sydney Half in May in 72.07, then jump on that plane over to Rio. Now, you ran a 2.34.41, but things didn't go to plan. Tell us about that one. Yeah, look, we trained absolutely, trained the house down. Yep. Probably trained the best I've ever trained in my career mm-hmm. um, in Noosa under Dick's watchful eye. Yep. We did a lot more than I've ever done before. Um, more mileage, more long runs, longer long runs. You know, just the training was really great. Uh, then we were, we all had to go to a camp in Florida, um, which was mandated. And it was just a really bad um, a bad experience for me. I got to Florida and I met up with and with Michael Shelley and we went for a 30-minute run and I could barely make it through 30 minutes. Um, I just picked up a sinus infection and I felt really dizzy and it was stiflingly hot in Florida. Um, tried to do, um, you know, get over that. Tried to do a few, you know, like of the mini sessions um they were okay but I just did not feel right and I felt quite dizzy um after those sessions um and then we went over obviously then on a red eye to to Rio and uh went through that travel experience and by race day I was just not feeling great at all um ran the race but at 20k I remember shaking my head at Nikki Frey saying I'm in trouble (laughs) I'm in trouble it's like I'm not feeling well at all um and yeah and I just I was like well it's an Australian singlet it's an Australian team it's an Olympics I'm gonna either finish this race get to the finish line somehow or I'm going to um be carted off in an ambulance one of the two mm. so I'm not going to physically pull out myself it's gonna either happen to me or I'm gonna um yeah crawl across the, the line so made for a very difficult interview at the end with all the with the girls because trying to stand there and not like throw up on everyone's shoes was an interesting experience on national television. Yeah. But um, yeah, but you know, that's like I said earlier, you know, if you're in this sport for long enough, you have lots of ups and downs and mm. you just got to, got to get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. 2017 back to London in April. Now you run your PB there as we spoke in that 225.15. If my research is, is correct, um, you may know this, is that the fourth fastest women's marathon time by an Australian because I got um yes yeah. that's right but yep. Benita at 22 in Chicago in 06 then uh Sinead Diver um over there in London last year 224 11 uh Lisa Ondiecki in 224.40 back in New York in 92. Lisa's ran a 223 223 so second okay yeah there you go I missed that one yeah. that's gonna um that's gonna take some beating is it two two twenty three? 223 uh-huh. 223.40-ish, I okay, think. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, yep, yep, yep. And, yeah, Benita, 222.36. Yeah, hopefully you girls can uh, chase that one down the next couple of years. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a nice goal. Um, yep. Yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a nice goal. Yep. And, yeah, look, it's not something that I really think about or, yep. you know, I'm just, yeah, obviously every time we go out and run a race, you know, the goal is to try and run faster than you ever have before. So if, um, if it, Turns out that, you know, I mean, my goal would be to run as good as Lisa and Diki and because yep. she's my idol. Okay. Um, yep. And so, yeah, so I'd, I, you know, do, being able to achieve that, which was the goal for Chicago last year, would be, uh, you know, great in itself. But Benita's a 
an absolutely amazing athlete and so um yeah so to hit that time is a whole nother level but yeah hopefully yeah. <laughs> someone will get it eventually Been, yeah it'll, it'll happen one day let's talk about yeah. 2018 um gold coast com games now there was a lot going on up there um it's been pretty successful for you up there uh in the half marathons over the years 233 23 i've got you down there for in second spot so let's talk about that one yeah look i don't really think about the times to be honest in those hot weather ones like they don't really mean a lot uh the times it's really about the place so you know you're going out in in a pack and running the pace that really that you know that the other runners kind of set for you so um we ran pretty slow like probably the slowest i've ever ran a five the first 5k in a marathon um you know in that gold coast the start of gold coast so and that because basically it was really hot the sun was burning you know even early at that you know that early in the morning um and so it was about making sure that you're gonna be able to finish strong and there was certainly no prizes for you know running doing anything too crazy at the start or in the middle of the race Mm, mm. um yeah so we set out and there was a there was a a period of around i don't know 14 15k i think where um jess kind of took the lead and just pushed us to to progress the pace a little bit um but i just kind of stuck at the pace that i was comfortable at at the time and just didn't want to do any big jumps Mm. um in pace in change of pace so um, yeah, so I know it sort of looked like I fell off, but it was kind of just me just doing my own thing and and wanting to make sure I was comfortable in that second half. And, um, yeah, just sort of um, progressed through and got back on to the girls. And, um, yeah, then we sort of just ran together for quite a long, large part of the race until that latter stage when, um, yeah, when Helania took off and off we went and, tried our very best to hold on and get to the finish line really yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the heat, yeah sure. uh, so yeah i just saw she ran valencia on the weekend and broke 220 so oh, wow okay um, yep. jess and i yeah we should be really proud of our races on the gold coast because <laughs> she's certainly um blown it out of the park since then so hopefully that's good signs for the two of us yeah for sure <laughs> i mean you picked up yeah. the bronze there in delhi in, in 2010 and yeah like 14 um pregnant with pete so i guess up there in 2018 you're hoping to uh to uh to go one spot further than you did um but yeah look there, there may be another opportunity for the, at the next com games to 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 grab that uh, number one spot that's for sure yeah so it's all just uh depends on you know what happens and mm. how it's all structured because sure. i think we've got world champs and com games at the same time yeah it's a, it's a funny practically year practically at the same yeah. time yeah, yeah so uh yeah so but for now i guess the key focus is on trying to get that, you know, get a good PB in the marathon next year and yep. and, uh, and then get that spot for Tokyo. Look, Olympic year in Tokyo next year. Let's uh, let's have a quick chat about that. Um, what are you going to do between now and then and will you do another uh, another marathon? Yeah, look, we've had it a little harder in Melbourne. Yep. So, you know, with our hour of exercise and all of that yep. and not knowing when we can race. So we just kind of kind of maintained a level of fitness but not certainly not wanting to put ourselves into any sort of hole especially when the virus was you know at its peak here so yep. just wanted to make sure we were always just fit and healthy really yep. um yep. until we had some plans so now we've got some plans we can uh i think a little bit of track has started in a small uh contained environment sure. and 
Uh, we've got Zetapec in January, which is a potential option. Um, uh, but we've and then got Hobart Bridge Run probably in Feb. Um, so they've got the big race this weekend in Launceston. Yeah. But I'm just yeah. wanting to build now and sure. just get ready for um, most likely the February uh, Bridge Run and have another crack at running a PB there. Uh, and, you know, bettering my time from that a couple of years ago there. So that's the, the next one on the cards. And then we'll just look at, you know, what other races are likely to go ahead um, from there. I think there's a likely uh, opportunity in April for us to have a qualification race for the marathon. Okay. Um, that's still getting worked out. Yeah. And that would be in, in Australia just because there's, um, you know, not really any opportunities internationally to have another run. Sure. Um, so if um, that all um, gets uh, organised by Athletics Australia, then I'll be ready to go and do that. Yep. Um, and so that's what I'm gearing up for now, to be ready for a marathon in that April month. Sure, unreal. To, yeah, try and run a PB and yeah. secure a spot. Yeah, no, that'd be fantastic. There's been a bit of chatter about uh, Athletics um, Australia putting up a, a qualifying marathon rather than have to do Hobart or Canberra. So, yeah, hopefully that goes ahead and that'd be, that'd be fantastic for everyone to watch and, and for you girls to race. Um, yeah, and I think it'd be nice to have. I mean, I've most of the Olympics I haven't ran a marathon okay. prior to the sure. actual race in that year. Okay. Um, but this time, you know, we haven't raced for such a long time. Yeah. And um, so, you know, this time it might be a good thing. It'll be a little bit too close to the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but that's how the cookie crumbles. So yeah. you need to just roll with it. Yeah, yeah. I guess it'll give those other girls a chance to uh, to, to get that ticket to, to Tokyo. So um, they'll, uh, they'll be keen for it as well. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And and I think we all just need a bit of racing, yep. you know, to get it get another go. Yeah, no, fantastic. Look, um that's a wrap, Lisa. Thank you so much for for your time today. Um no really appreciate it. Um I, I know you got a lot on. Have a fantastic Chrissy, New Year break. Thanks you too. Yeah, I will, I will. Go easy on the ciders. Um <laughs> <laughs> And uh, look, we're all gonna be glued to the T V next August, uh, watching all all the Aussies compete. So yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Now can I just whack a link over to uh to Instagram and, and over to your uh, blog site? It's got some yes, interesting reading, that'd be fantastic. Great. No worries, Lisa, thanks again. Lovely. Okay, cheers. All right, guys, that's a wrap for 2020. Looking forward to bringing some more guests to you in the new year. Um, if you're listening from Apple device, please give me an early Christmas present with a rating and review. It's not necessarily to boost my ego. It's there just so this can get out to some more listeners. You guys are in control of that. There's not much I can do, so I'd really appreciate it if you could do that. Uh, like and share the episode. Enjoy your Christmas break, New Year break. I love it. It's a fantastic time of year. Hopefully get back to some normality 2021, get to see all these athletes compete at the Olympics, maybe jump on a big bird, head overseas, do a race. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. I think everyone's um, really going to be amped up and, and going well. So thank you very much. Have a great Christmas and I'll chat soon. Bye.